And welcome to Crime Rewind. Today is a very special episode. Although it is our fourth episode, we are already doing a part two for an episode. So last week we brought you the case of Jeremy Keith Abbott and his ridiculously ruled suicide. So before and after we had recorded the show, we had reached out to several sources. And after recording the show, we got some responses back and we had some answers to some questions that we had. In addition to that, it produced more questions. So we have a special guest with us today. Since Amanda's already very familiar with the case with me, we wanted to bring on someone just so you guys could still get your first party reaction. So everybody, welcome our special guest. Say hi. Hello. Do you want to introduce yourself or you just want to say hi and let people wonder? Well, I was going to let you lead that portion of the conversation. <laughs> I mean, that's what a good host does is leads the guests down the primrose path. But I am Casey. I am a host of An Evening at the Movies. I am a regular guest on The Sip List. I am a part of the I Did Not Make These Rankings podcast network with my amazing co-host, who is next to me on my screen right now, Miss Amanda Cole Hopper. I am also going to scoop the ladies on this podcast and announce also as well that, well, for one, I'm also a part of Season to Season with DeAndre Robinson and CJ. But I also have a new podcast coming as well called Literature Reapers, Hosted by myself, Amanda, and Shanna. So we are podcast freaking moguls at this point. (laughs) But I am very excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me. And I am strapping myself in, keeping my hands inside the freaking chair. And let's do this. And you did have a chance to listen to episode one, correct? Um, yeah. Okay. So I just wanted to make sure you were on the same place with the same knowledge as the other listeners. So hello, Amanda. Hello. Are you ready? What's is up? your mind blown already? Yeah, this this has been a bit of a it's been a bit of a whirlwind this week with this stuff. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean I, I think we're gonna have maybe more questions at the end of this, but you know, any more yeah. information we can share that might help bring justice for Jeremy. I say we do it. Yes. So with that being said, and I, I know I probably can speak for you when I say this, although we got some of our questions answered, the answers left us with even more questions. Yes. So with that, um, like I had mentioned, we reached out to several sources. Um, we are going to keep those sources anonymous because we have other 
you know, investigations going on in the case and we don't want to compromise anybody's, you know, integrity or their safety or anything with, you know, providing information on who our sources are, but they are sources that are very close to the investigation. It's not anybody that just messes just out of nowhere saying, hey, this is what I think. These are people that actually have inside information as far as, you know, the inner workings of the case. So, And of the people involved. Exactly. So with that being said, do you kind of want to go over some of the information that we were updated with, Amanda? Sure. Um, So, you know, we we got a little bit more information about Jeremy himself, just that he was a good kid and kind of went down the wrong path. And from what we've been told, he was definitely involved with drugs and, you know, dealers and things like that. So that kind of fit into what we were already thinking Mm -hmm. before is that maybe it was like, you know, a drug deal gone wrong or, or something like that. But, um, he definitely went downhill once he started hanging out with some in, uh, un, unsavory people, I guess, some of which were related to him. So Right. And one of our sources did mention that that kind of stemmed from them meeting their biological father and his family that went along with that, um, that they were potentially the people that introduced him to drugs and were possibly dealers as well. So now keep in mind, obviously, this information is not us accusing anyone of anything. These are just our opinions. And the information did come directly from sources. So don't come at us. Yeah, for real. We're just relaying information we were told. But it does kind of fit. So um, and then let's see. So I guess one of the main things that allegedly is true that we were kind of thinking about, again, was that, you know, this was drug involved. So one big thing that the source did tell us is that Jeremy's uncle and then his son, so that's Jesse Abbott, who is Jeremy's cousin, which we already knew he took Jesse out there, um, apparently under the disguise of we're going to go out here and get high. But allegedly, the uncle and Jesse committed a robbery. They screwed over some drug dealers and they had to pin it on someone. And so their plan was to pin it on Jeremy and Juan Ortega. Um, So supposedly Jesse knew when he took Jeremy out there that the plan was for him to take the fall and be murdered. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is just super upsetting. That's disgusting. It's just, I don't know. Um, There wasn't, we didn't get much more information about Jessica as far as if she knew that was part of the plan. Um, Just that she, well, she actually took him out there, I guess, and Jesse was already there. But, you know, she witnessed some of the attack and then left. So we don't know what she knew, if anything. And we did also learn that... um, that Jessica and Jeremy were very, very close. Now, the source did mention that Jeremy did talk a lot about Jessica, but it was Didn't. not. Right. Oh, I'm he sorry. Did. That he never yeah. really talked about Jessica, um, but 
that they were very close and that um, Jeremy used to help Jessica out a lot. Um, with what we don't really know. Right. And with, was it with money, with her kids, with drugs? Like, we don't really know, but they right. were very, very close. And the source did mention that in the beginning, the two families did seem to kind of be on the same page, wanting, you know, justice for both of their children. And then due to some maybe different thinkings by the different families, um, they no longer work together in an effort to resolve the cases. Yeah. Which is sad. Yeah. I mean, because clearly, I mean, clearly they're linked. I don't, I don't think we need to speculate that those two things have something to do with each other. Right. I think I can say with 99% assurance that Jeremy's death and Jessica's disappearance have something to do with each other. Yes. Well, I mean, that's kind of the pot calling the kettle black, in my opinion, but I mean, you don't have to be a rocket science to make that connection. Right. Right. I mean, we, we have another thing that we were told was that Juan was overheard saying they're going to kill me. And then he just, well, he didn't disappear. He left the state, but a lot of people close to this are gone. <laughs> right. And another thing I wanted to mention too, as well is, um, one of our sources did mention that Jesse's oldest uncle, um, we'll use the abbreviation JK for this, who is Jesse's dad. They committed the murder, like Amanda said, and they plan to pin it on Juan and Jeremy. Um, and the people wanted, the people that they stole from wanted Jesse um, to actually kill him, kill Jeremy himself, but he couldn't do it because he loved him too much. So, you know, that's another thing that, and I can't, I can't imagine it's heartbreaking. Just so yeah. many twists and turns. Well, and there's even more that I think, there's a few things I think we're not going to mention that are just also mind blowing, but um, there was a lot going on with all these people intertwined with each other. Yes. Um, uh, so we also found out that uh, supposedly Jesse's mom Tina had a lot to do with this. We kind of mentioned in the other episode that or no, maybe we didn't mention that. Basically, she supposedly was trying to convince Jesse to go to the police to tell what happened, but he was too scared and then that just kind of went away. Mm -hmm. Um there were messages, Facebook or text messages about that that were shown to investigators and nothing ever came of that so again to me that's just like the police have made their decision everybody has made their decision and they're not going to look at anything else because if i have messages saying my son is going to go tell police what happened but he's just really scared and nobody does anything with that that's mm -hmm. bullshit yep exactly and to kind of put a bigger picture as well, um, Tina, which is the wife of Jeremy's oldest uncle, um, it is rumored that she did have relationships with a lot of Jeremy's friends, as well as possibly with Jeremy from a very young age, an inappropriately young age. So she is definitely not an innocent party in all of this. And 
I would think that she would have some things to gain with keeping this under the rug as well. Yeah. That's fair because if, if the relationships with the other kids were to come out, then, you know, obviously she can't, nothing can happen with what happened with Jeremy. Cause he's, mm-hmm. you know, there's no way to corroborate that. Well, other than Facebook messages, I guess, but <coughs> um, there was also allegedly JK, which again is the oldest uncle of Jeremy um, who is now deceased, so he can't be questioned or anything. Right. Um, told Tina that he and Jesse had actually killed Jeremy and that they had cut him open, leaving his insides on the outside. Yeah. So I don't know how that can be interpreted as suicide. Because, I mean, right. if you remember from episode one, he was 20 feet up in the air. So it's not like an animal. I mean, if it were an animal, they would have put the whole body down. Right. I don't know of many animals that could reach up that high. Well, and then I guess that kind of brings us to some walking into additional information about the actual crime and and the crime scene. Um, Because we have that information. So now we know that allegedly it wasn't just him hanging from a tree. It was him hanging from a tree and he was cut open. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe the police are saying animals did that. But again, I find that very hard to believe. And you would at least do an autopsy in my opinion to determine for sure that that, because if I don't know at that point, I don't think you can rule it a suicide. If there's, if there are cuts or anything like that on his body, you got to make sure they weren't, inflicted by another human and that it was just animals, you know, right. And the fact, right. And the fact that none of that was done, they didn't do an autopsy. They didn't even do like a body scan or anything. Like we don't even know what the actual cause of death is. Right. We just know the manner of death, which they're saying is suicide. And right. I think it's pretty clear. It's not <laughs> exactly. I'm say, feeling very confident in calling bs on that one yeah i mean so that that does make me question if they were able to say the manner of death is suicide why would they not have at least put a cause of death like as asphyxiation by hanging or or something to leave that part out but to say it was suicide is like you're not saying how that death happened i think that has to do with a lot in my opinion, there's a big difference between ruling something a suicide and leaving those things blank as opposed to forging a cause of death. Because if they were to put a real cause of death, chances are they couldn't rule it a suicide. So if they had to put something on there that linked it, you know, made it look like a suicide, chances are they'd be lying and then that would be a crime. True. But I, I already think if it's a crime that it was ruled as a suicide. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so some information that was provided to us about where Jeremy was found, how long he had been there, etc. Um, the tree. So if we're going to go back and talk about Josh Hyde for a second, he is the friend that messaged Kim and said, File a missing persons report. Jeremy's not coming home. Mm-hmm. 
So the tree where Jeremy was found is near or on Josh Hyde's property. I don't know which one it is, but definitely close enough that it could be seen from his front or backyard. So again, what we said last episode, there's no way he could have been there for 30 days. Somebody, according to first responders and other people that have said stuff, you would have seen it. It was very obvious. Or smelled it, yeah. I mean, let's forget about the smell for a second, though. Yeah, you would have been able to see that. Um, so some of the information that was passed on is that Josh's grandfather, grandfather knew that the scene was a setup. And that Jeremy was put there, but that's not where he was found. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, uh, so this is another allegedly, and we don't have a name for this person, but that Tina's ex-boyfriend is the person who put him in the tree. And I don't know if that means ex-boyfriend as in JK or somebody else. Mm -hmm. I, I would, I would make the assumption that they're talking about JK, but we didn't get a name on that. Right. But piecing that together with the other information we have, that seems likely that jk and or jesse did that so the question is where was he for the rest of the time right i mean somebody had to have been hiding his body or because if they just left him in the woods animals would have gotten him yeah yeah and i did have one of our listeners one of our fans chancy shout out to you chancy um he did reach out to me he's like so i have some ideas and I'm like, okay, spill it. And he's like, my family lives up north. And they do a lot of, like, tree climbing. And he did mention one of the ways that Jeremy could have gotten in the tree by himself without actually, you know, climbing it. Mm-hmm. And that was to kind of wrap the belt around the tree and then walk up it and slide the belt up and brace himself as he went up. And I did do some research on the average circumference of a pine tree. And it would be possible. I don't feel like it's likely. But we want to make sure that we're covering all possible bases. And he did also offer another possible scenario for where Jeremy may have been during this time that he was missing. And he said that um, it's possible that the, the drug dealers, like, beat him. And then took him mm-hmm. to try and get information out of him and may have moved him from place to place while torturing him. I thought about that. And then, you know, he died. And then that's when the body was disposed of. I thought about that, too, that maybe they didn't intend to kill him. They meant to just rough him up. and then, mm-hmm. Or maybe they did mean to, but they dr- drug it out that's- for a while. And then, you know, hey, we're going to make this look like a suicide. But... Because they may have wanted, depending on the amount of stuff that was stolen, they may have been beating him trying to get it back. Right. But unfortunately, he didn't have it to give back. And in any other scenario, that's very poor staging. That's what's so upsetting about this. But another source. Yeah, unless they knew the cops weren't going to do shit about it, so they didn't really have to bother. Right. And that's another source that I spoke with said that this area is very common for police corruption and 
you know, things not being followed the way they should be. And, you know, lots of cover-ups, law enforcement goes unchecked. So, yeah. They, I guess they knew that. <laughs> Casey, have any thoughts so far? Um, so. Taking it all in? <laughs> it's a lot to fucking take in. Excuse my yeah. friend, but. Um, so, as far as, like, Chansey's theory goes, are we talking, like, Pacific Northwest lumberjack freaking wrap the damn belt around the freaking thing and like yeah that's what uh, he was saying mm-hmm. yeah I mean I guess I could see that um, and a man's clothing belt the size of what we thought think it is was big enough to fit around a tree you think yeah Anna? okay they okay. said it the average circumference was between like thirty six and forty two okay so if you think about it you also have his arm span as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess I can see that in some way, shape, or form, but. I mean, we're I asking right now. It's also it going to be incredibly yes. tight and not easy to do either. Right. So. I think we'll, pop, we'll put that in the category of possible, but very unlikely. Right. Yeah. I mean. When you said that Chansey had thrown that one out, and Chansey has a mind for this kind of stuff to throw out plausible mm-hmm. scenarios. So, I mean, his favorite movie is freaking Frailty. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you can't rule out any possibility at all until stuff starts coming together and creating a picture, but... I would probably feel safe to assume the belt walking up the tree. Probably incredibly unlikely. Yes. Well, and that's if it even is a clothing belt, because that is still, from our source that we talked to, that question has still not been answered. Uh, there, Supposedly, there was a evidence bag with the clothing belt in it that was labeled evidence and then later on another investigator is now saying no that isn't the case i don't know where you heard that it's a car belt so a car belt i don't feel like is going to give you the same leverage or or like i don't know if it's a car belt i find it even more unlikely but And, and either way, no, nobody knows what has happened to the belt. Yeah. Or his phone. Our sources seem to indicate that they're probably gone. Yeah. Well, this all transpired how long ago? Five years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to kind of mention is one of our sources did mention that Jeremy was known to change phones a lot. So is it mm-hmm. possible that maybe one of the older phones would have some information on it? Right. It might be, you know, tucked away in a box somewhere. Well, well I've seen enough people around my community as a whole. If you tend to not have a consistently steady income, 
not trying to put down any portion of the population, but the less financially secure you are, the more likely you are to every two or three months pop up with a new phone. Mm -hmm. I think that probably, this is just my opinion, if there were other phones that uh, Kim had access to, I feel like she would have at least tried to turn those over to the police. Um, I also think it's, I mean, we know that Kim is fighting for any kind of justice for him. So my assumption would be if she had any information that could be valuable, she would give it to the police. My thought is probably that he traded in his phones. So maybe he doesn't have any old phones is kind of what I would think. Or they're like the burner phones. Right. And again, one of our sources said that once the police got a hold of the phone, they changed passwords on a lot of his social media, including his Facebook. So if there was an old phone, really the only thing you can look for is text messages. You're not going to be able to get on the social media and look for anything. Right. So that's a good, like, I feel like that's a really good thought process. I just, my opinion is I think that would have already been done or at least tried to have been done, but yeah. who knows? Um, so one thing I'd like to see them try, and we talked about it a little bit, is the possibility of geofencing. Mm -hmm. What that is for people that may not know is it's kind of different than pinging a particular phone to figure out where it is pinging on cell phone towers. Geofencing is where you ping the towers and get the information on phones that are pinging off of that tower at a particular time. So yes, it gives you a bigger picture, you know, more phones to look at, but if you start counter or, you know, comparing that to different important scenes and places in this case, you might be able, yeah, develop a pattern and figure out, okay, these phones are pinging off of at the same time and at least give yourself a, an idea of who the major players might be. Right. And I already think the list of major players is long enough that you could start with those people. The ones that are still alive. Right. Right. Like I've never seen a case with so many people that have been, or that are now deceased after the crime. Yeah. Or have fled or are missing. It's just, I don't know. It's crazy. That fact alone right there causes a lot of uneasiness in my heart and soul because yeah. that pops up a lot of questions and a lot of suspicions and how many of these suspicions are accurate how many of them are unfounded yeah. without some of these people that have disappeared yeah. being found well, we do know that there is an investigation, kind of a private investigation going on, and that info is on the um, petition, which we already shared, but we'll share it again. Um, but, you know, basically trying to petition the attorney general to open a case on it, because that's really kind of the, in my opinion, last ditch effort. The DA doesn't want to do anything. You got the attorney general, but after that, I don't know where you go. Um, one of my questions that I was kind of like asking myself would be, is there any chance of getting the FBI involved? But 
I doubt it. The only pro the only thing I think you could probably get them in on is the drugs, but I think you'd have to have some significant proof that there was a drug deal or drug trafficking or something because nothing yeah. else is nothing else in that crime would be FBI like they wouldn't have jurisdiction over it. So I don't Unless know. Whoever hurt Jessica kidnapped her in one place and took over state lines. Yeah. Or it turns into something like Bundy, Ridgeway, whatever the case. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be something huge for the federal government to get involved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's they, there's a list of when they can get involved and when they can't or shouldn't. But I would think if there is any way to try to get the F FBI involved, that. But also, I don't know how you go about doing that when the DA won't help you. Mm -hmm. You know, the police won't help yeah. you. Like, if they're not interested, what makes you think we are? Right. And it's highly unlikely that a citizen can just call up the FBI and be like, hey, can you check this out? Like, it it doesn't really work like that. Unless you're me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they have tip lines and stuff for a reason, but also they're not just going to go off one thing. Right. Yeah, I have a friend in the FBI, so... I wanted to talk to him about this a little bit, but I haven't had a chance yet. You have so, yeah. connections? I do. And I helped him get into the FBI. I was one of the character interviews for him. So he owes you. He owes me. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think that was about it. Did I miss anything? Not that I can think as far of. As new information. As far as new information, I mean, we've still got our theories, and I think a lot of the information that was passed on to us after episode one kind of solidifies the opinions that we have. Right. Um, so what are your thoughts, Casey, as kind of your, I mean, you got your first take on it last week with episode one, and now you're hearing what we have found out since episode one. Do you kind of feel that it just... I had I had questions after listening to episode one. Didn't we all? <laughs> I have a lot more questions now after taking in everything from what you guys just told me. It's kind of frustrating well not kind of frustrating it's incredibly frustrating that especially with some of these questions popping up about what kind of crime this could be or potential collusion or corruption or whatever however you want to call it one of my favorite terms cahoots <laughs> yeah i collusion's one of my favorites <laughs> It's like, you wouldn't think some of this stuff would be as much of a problem in today's society as it is, but, I mean, truth be told, and I believe I've told both of you this within the last couple of days, is Hollywood that far off the freaking mark with the stories that they produce and release to the world? Every, about corruption and collusion and all of that shit. Every time I hear a movie say based on true events, I'm like, everything's based on true events in some way. 
Well, yeah, I mean, prime example, and I'm going to use this one just because I know it's going to dig a little bit at your co-host, Shanna, but Nightmare on Elm Street is technically still loosely, very loosely, but still based on a true story that Wes Craven got out of the whatever the newspaper is like a newspaper or magazine yeah los angeles so well technically so is halloween if you want to go back to john carpenter's teenage years when he visited because you're trying to shit on halloween i'm not gonna let you know i'm just kidding (laughs) i know i'm admitting that halloween is fourth best and nightmare on elm street is third best I think there are places, um, and especially maybe more rural areas, that it's not a secret that police cover-ups, you know, crime syndicate or drug connections. And there's a lot involved. That's what I'm saying. A lot of people have a lot to lose in these situations. And so it's very hard. Like, you know, we say all it takes is for one good cop to stand up. Well, and then he's dead and their whole family's dead. So it's like. Well, (laughs) That's another prime example, though, because you both know that I just in the last what week or so got done reading a book about a true crime case that happened in my hometown where it took a long time after the girls went to the sheriff's department and reported what their mom and stepdad were doing before they were even willing to step up and say, "Okay, enough is enough we're getting child protective services involved. We're going to the house and, and all this feet dragging and whatnot in that period of time, three people died. Right. That weren't the kids. I mean, which is terrible. Yeah. If they, I don't want to put down law enforcement because I know that they have to have certain things to be able to do certain things. But if things had come together a little bit more quickly, maybe one or two of those lives could have been spared. Yep. So, you know, it it's definitely because the Raymond South Bend area of Washington, which is where I live and where I grew up, is very, very rural. Rural. It's <laughs> it's um, logging community. Uh, fishing, things of that nature, and it's very much you know who you know, and that's how things tend to advance. And when you try and break into the good guy circle, that's when, unfortunately, shady things start happening. Yeah. Because anything outside of the community norm generally will shake the foundation. The community norm will shake that foundation to the core. And this definitely has a certain aspect of that feel to it as well. I don't know. I listened to obviously last episode and obviously this one as well, (laughs) but, um, I don't think I have a good enough understanding of what that 
local area is like. The dynamic of it. Yeah. Yeah. You make a safe assumption that it, from what I've heard in both of these episodes, it definitely has a feel of like the Raymond South Bend area where the no tech crimes happened. But. Well, a source told me directly that is how this community is, how it works, that it's very common. So <coughs> I don't think, I mean, again, this is coming from a source. So allegedly, you know, I don't know yeah. firsthand, but well, um, and they even said there's I, other cases you can go look at. So, And I'm confident enough in my assumption here that this is not just a localized thing to Washington or um, where this happened, Alabama. I mean, it probably happens in all 50 of the states. And I would be safe to even confident enough to wager that it probably happens in the same type of communities around the world. So, yeah. I mean, I've seen hostile one and two. <laughs> <laughs> well i i think we'll definitely still be following everything um if we oh, get I'm new information i'm definitely intrigued by this and i want to know more and i would like to see a resolution come to right. this story for and everybody so do we, involved um but we do know that there are some ongoing investigations and so you know we want to be mindful of that and not you know trip anything up but we will definitely be following that and then we'll share the petition again um, please go sign the petition sign it um it's to share get it. the da or to get the attorney general involved and to get jeremy's body exhumed for an autopsy so sign it share it yeah do everything you can and i think it's close to getting the amount of signatures i don't know yeah. I think it was 7,500. Yeah. And I, I want to say it was like around 4,000 maybe. Yeah. I can't remember. Getting there. Um, and if you can donate a little money, I only donated five bucks, but I think every little bit helps, you know, because it's well, not but cheap. 7,500 people donate three, five bucks. Look at what that turns yeah. into. Yeah. I mean, it's simple Donald Trump freaking math. <laughs> so, I yeah. I mean, if, because I know who Amanda loves. <laughs> Yeah, and if anybody else knows anything, has information, definitely hit us up. And, you know, I just really hope something gets done for this because, you know, it's hard when a case is cold and there's no leads. Mm -hmm. But when something is this blatantly obvious with enough holes, with enough evidence, with enough exactly. leads, and nobody's doing anything, that is beyond infuriating. Yeah. Like, I can't stand it. It's not like the information to solve it is not there. It's there and it's being ignored. Yeah. And that just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> For lack of a better you No, know, because I've even talked to somebody who made the reference when I was talking to him about, well, serial crimes are not, I mean, they happen everywhere and blah, blah, blah. He's like, Look at Gary Ridgway. I'm like, no, dude, this is not Green River Killer type stuff. This is... The evidence is there. Mm -hmm. The evidence I mean, wasn't necessarily there with Ridgeway. So you can't make that 
loose assumption. I mean, same thing with Bundy. <laughs> you know, it took well, but this isn't even a serial. What they, you know, exactly. It's not. But that we know of. Well, true. Again, <laughs> I agree with Shannon that you know of. And God, I hope it doesn't turn into something of that nature. But, you know, that's 50,000 light bulb or red flags are going off in my freaking head because there's so many freaking questions and 98.7% of them are all unanswered or covered up or whatever the case may be, however you want to view it. And to me, that's tragic for Jeremy's family. Yeah. Because they deserve to have answers and closure to all of this. So definitely. And to bring Jessica home in whatever capacity, whether you know it's to bring her home to barrier or bring her home to reunite her with her children, mm-hmm. they deserve that same closure. Agreed. But to leave a family and especially three babies out there not knowing, like always wondering, you know, is are they out there somewhere? And they don't want to see me. Are they out there somewhere and they want to see me, but they can't? Or are they gone? Just right. Think the not knowing is far worse than than the knowing. Oh, definitely. I, I would go crazy with that. Yeah. So. Well, all right. Um, I think that's all we have to share for now. Can I unbuckle now? If you yes. feel safe. If you feel safe. <laughs> Watch well, your I don't balance. Feel safe knowing the information that I know, but watch your balance getting Just off the kidding. ride. That was a doozy. <laughs> yep. So hopefully we'll we'll probably be coming at you next week with a brand new case and something um, else to blow your mind. Yeah. Shanna's been good at finding some crazy ones. Uh, what door am I going to open next? And I'm freaking curious because I wasn't supposed to be a part of this episode. I was supposed to have my own episode. And I want to know what the heck Shanna came up with for me. <laughs> I might have to save it. You should save it for the week I'm out of town. Yeah. Casey can be my fill-in co-host. My why, host. why do you keep bringing up Jamaica? I'm just saying. She's going to need uh, somebody to sit in the passenger seat while I'm sunning myself on the beach and drinking pina coladas you're no longer my co-host amanda you're my ho host <laughs> i like that better oh lord i'm gonna be a hoe on the coast y'all <laughs> better anyway. than a hoe in texas whatever i'm i'm a retired hoe i ain't a hoe no mo i'll be so nice anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we're good. You gonna close this out? Or you want me I to? Was do gonna, it? You can close this out this time. Okay. Cool. Um. So clearly, we're still getting you know our feet wet in this show. So I hope you guys enjoyed, and definitely mm-hmm. send us information you have, cases you want to hear about, and um. We still don't have a kitschy closing statement, so uh, we'll see you back next week for another Crime Rewind. Only you can prevent cold crimes. (laughs) Smokey the Bear says. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What now? Oh, okay. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. (laughs)